So y'all ready for God's word? Well, I'm going to invite Pastor Raquel up here. Uh, I've been uh, very blessed to have her a, a part of my life for 12 years now. Uh, man, it's a long time. And she's put up with me that whole time, right? But uh, she's one of my best friends. And uh, no, we did not coordinate the color thing. Just going to let that be known. But can y'all give it up for Pastor Raquel? Thank you, Cody. And thank you, worship team. They did phenomenal, didn't they? Also, before we go any further, I want to thank our amazing senior pastors. Can we give it up for them? Thank you so much for giving me the privilege to be able to speak to their flock. There's no greater privilege than to be able to deliver God's word. And I hope that y'all are ready to be blessed because Pastor Chris has been challenging us. This sermon series has already blessed my life tremendously. I remember the first week he, he told us that true love takes what? Sacrifice. And then he challenged us last week and he said, if you truly love, then you should be spurred on to engage Christ in a spirit of generosity. And so believe me, guys, as much as I love being up here, these are big shoes to fill because we have an awesome pastor. And so I never take it lightly when I'm allowed and given the honor and privilege to be able to speak up here. And so I asked God, I said, okay, Lord, I know that our senior pastor is challenging us to not just look at love on the surface, but to truly examine what it means to love. And so as I cried out to God and I began to pray and ask God for, for vision, ask God for a word, ask God for a message, he told me, Raquel, true love doesn't only take sacrifice and a spirit of generosity, but true love also takes an attitude and a decision to honor. To honor. Romans 12, 9 through 13 says, don't just pretend to love others. Really, actually, genuinely love them, guys. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Amen. You see, God warns us in this verse to not love superficially. To not just love on a surface level fake type of love, but to actually engage in expressing honor. I believe that honor is an attribute of love that we all too often forget or we glance over. I think the main reason that we forget to engage in honor is because our culture does not value honor. In fact, if I'm honest with you, I think my generation, Gen Z and millennials, could not give you an accurate description of honor. We could not define it. Because we've been told that honor is something negative. It's something old. It's something ancient and archaic. And it's something that we don't have to engage in anymore. In fact, I think most of us might associate honor with pride. And can I tell you, that could not be farther from the truth. You see, the definition of honor in the Greek is to me, which means to value deeply to esteem, to greatly respect, to revere, and to find precious. Dishonor in the Greek is atomia, which means to show contempt, disrespect, disregard, to lightly esteem, and to treat as common or ordinary. You see, we assign the term honor as something ancient and archaic and no longer necessary in our society. And then our culture goes as far to even celebrate dishonor, guys. But then we wonder why marriages are falling apart. We wonder why our workplaces are no longer productive. We wonder why students and schools are rebellious and our country is in a disarray. Could it be because we have neglected to engage in a biblical principle and truth? To honor. So this morning, guys, I want to encourage all of us to make the decision 
to honor with an attitude of love and care. To choose to actually value each other genuinely and not superficially. To rethink the way that we address our peers and our family and our superiors. And to try our very best every day to outdo each other in honor. Can we pray? Amen. Lord, I thank you so much for the honor and the privilege that it is to be a servant in your house, Lord. I pray, God, that in this moment you would allow me to honor you, Lord. That it would not be my words and my thoughts, God. But instead, it would be your truth speaking through me by the power of your Holy Spirit, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would prick our hearts even now, that you would soften our hearts, Jesus, and allow us to realize that there is a blessing in honor if we only engage in it. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray together. Amen. Amen. So I already shared with us, guys, that dishonor means to show contempt of something or someone. To treat something as ordinary or common is to show contempt. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the phrase that familiarity breeds contempt. But today we're going to talk about four different groups that we are very familiar with, that most of us probably engage in person in a daily basis. But because of that, because we see them every day, because we know them very well, if we're not careful, we can dishonor them in our lives. So number one, guys, God is calling us to honor our parents. Honor, thank you, Grandma. Grandma's like, amen. (laughs) Some moms are nudging their kids right now. I remember when I was younger, guys, my mom and dad did not let me watch many PG or G-rated movies. In fact, my mother banned Franklin the Turtle. Does anybody remember Franklin on Nick Jr.? She's like, I don't like Franklin's attitude. He needs to get out of my house. In fact, for the first 10 years of my life, I pretty much was only allowed to watch VeggieTales. Anybody remember VeggieTales? <laughs> if you like to talk to tomatoes, yeah. If you guys want to stay, we'll, we'll, I'll lead you in worship in that song. We'll, we'll stay in worship in that. I'm joking. I'm joking. But guys, something funny happened. When I was about 12 years old, I still was not allowed to watch most of the movies and shows that my friends watch. But then my dad said, okay, Kel, you can come and watch a movie with us. And it was always like a war movie. There was always a battle. There was always blood and, 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 and guts. And I said, what is going on here? I'm not allowed to watch Lilo and Stitch, but I can watch this epic battle taking place. And so finally, about 13, I asked my dad, okay, what is the deal here? You know, I can't watch the movies that my friends watch or the shows that they watch, but I'm allowed to watch, you know, these soldiers um, take place, um, have this epic battle take place. And he told me, I would rather you watch Righteous Killing because that takes place all over the Old Testament than watch a show that trains you to dishonor your mom and dad. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but our culture is literally training the next generation to disrespect their parents. I challenge you, look at any popular show or movie that is being put out to to toddlers, to teenagers, to young adults, and see how the main character always has a bad attitude. See how the main character always disrespects their parents and shows contempt for them. And yet somehow they're always rewarded. They always get the prize. They always end up on top, even though they didn't honor their family. In Ephesians 6, 2 through 3, it says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Amen. Guys, this is the first commandment that God has ever given us with a promise. Do you think it's important to remember it and to engage in it? You see, I can't think of a better promise than to live not only a long life, but a successful life. 
And this is a promise from God, so we can stand firm on it. This is a blessing that everyone has the privilege to engage in. And I know what my students are thinking right now. Pastor Kel, you already preached to me every Wednesday. Now you're preaching to me on a Sunday. I thought this was for my parents today. This is unnecessary. This is old school. This is, this is Old Testament, Pastor Kel. But can I warn you guys that there is judgment and consequences for those that do not honor their parents. Deuteronomy 27 says, Cursed is anyone who dishonors their father and mother. Exodus 21, 17 says, Anyone who dishonors father and mother must be put to death. Proverbs 20, 20 says, If you even insult your father or mother, your light will be snuffed out in total darkness. This is serious stuff. Why? Because God warns us in Leviticus 19, each of us is to respect our father and mother. You see, when we choose not to honor our parents, not only do we block a blessing of a long and a successful life, but we're actually exposing our heart. We're actually showing our true nature because when we refuse to honor our earthly parents, we're actually disobeying God and choosing not to honor him. But remember, familiarity breeds contempt. Do you know that the word family comes from familiarity? I don't want our young people to fall into the trap of becoming so comfortable with our mom and dad that we neglect to esteem and to respect and to love and to honor them. Ephesians 6.1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Can I get an amen from my mom or dads? <laughs> and I know what some of my young adults are thinking right now. Thank God I am 18 and over. I am no longer a parent. I mean, I'm no longer a child. I'm no longer a child. I'm now an adult, so I don't have to obey my parents, right? Can I tell you, if you still live in your parents' home, if they pay for your cell phone, if they pay for your tuition, if they pay for your food, if you're living under their protection and blessing and covering, then you are still a child, and that's okay, guys. But I remember when I was, I was 24, just a couple of years ago, I had graduated from the best university in Texas. Hook them. I had a job, had my own cell phone, had my own car. And I thought I was hot stuff. I'm like, man, I'm an adult. I'm even engaged. And I thought that I could live outside of my parents' covering. But my dad said, if you're in my house, you follow my rules. You're still a child. You're still a child. You got to leave and cleave, Raquel, before you're no longer a child. Now that I'm 26, guys, I have my own husband and we have our own home. And I'm in a new season in my life. I've left and I've cleaved to him, but I'm still called to honor my parents. You see, obey when you're in your parents' home and honor even when you're on your own. Amen. And I want to challenge our adults too and our students, regardless of the season that you're in, don't just obey, truly honor. You see, obedience relates to actions, right, guys? That's completing the task that you were given. That is following instruction. But honor is a heart issue. It shows love. It shows care. It shows respect. If you don't believe me, let me ask my parents. If you ask your kid to clean their room and they do it with a bad attitude, is it ever done well? Let's say you may ask them to scrub the toilet, and they're just like, oh and they're groaning, and they're moaning, and they're complaining, and they're dragging their feet. Can I tell you, 
young adults, students, in that moment, you may have completed the action, but your lack of honor caused you to forfeit your blessing. Because you did not complete the full commandment. You may have obeyed your parents, but did you honor them with your heart? Did you do it with a spirit of excellence, not as unto your parents, but even as unto God? You see, when we refuse to honor, we're actually not just disobeying our parents, but we're disobeying our Savior. If you don't believe me, I want to share a story with you. Because I believe this point illustrates what we're talking about perfectly. I know some of us may think that we're exempt from this commandment because we had bad earthly parents or parents that weren't Christian. Our parents were imperfect and they treated us poorly. But I want us to open our Bible to Luke 2. You see, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival. And after it was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a full day. My dad forgot me in elementary school a few times, guys. I blame you because that was the same year that he started the church. But he never forgot me for a full day, at most an hour and a half. Like, at most. That's a full day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. They did not find them, so they went back to Jerusalem. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking questions. Three whole days have gone by, guys. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When the parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son... Why have you treated me like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? This is a whole nother message for a whole nother day. But let's skip on to verse 51. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Guys, if Jesus was subject to his parents... How much more should we be? I mean, think about this. Live this with me. Jesus submitted to earthly teenage parents. At 12 years old, he knew more than them. He knew more than the rabbis. He was teaching the priests, guys. And yet, when his mother reprimanded him and gave him instructions, instead of saying, do you know who I am? I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He obeyed her. And because he obeyed his heavenly father by honoring his parents, he was blessed. Look at that. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor. If Jesus obeyed his parents, how much more should we? If Jesus honored his parents, how much more should we, church? Amen. This is the first commandment with a promise. I believe that right now the Lord is already challenging some of you that you may need to reconcile with a mom or dad. That you may need to call them on the phone and ask for forgiveness for how you treated them when you were younger, possibly how you're even treating them now. And I believe that the Lord may be even challenging you right now just to not obey with your actions, but to go the step further and examine your heart and choose to honor them with your attitude. Amen. Number one, honor your parents. Number two, honor your spouse. I know what you're thinking. Okay, now you're just meddling. You've only been married two years. What could you possibly have to teach me? I'm not going to try to teach you anything. I don't have any advice I can give you, but I am going to hit you with God's word. And if you don't like it, you can take it up with my Savior. 
But I do have a little experience from the standpoint of I've been blessed and Christian and I have been blessed to see my parents' marriage. They've been married for nearly 30 years. And also, yeah, give it up for pastors Chris and Melissa. And not only that, we've had the privilege to see my grandparents. They've been married for over 50 years. Amen. And we've gotten the chance to see as young couples what happens when you build your foundation on Christ's war. You see, the storms may come and go. We've seen those too, but they're always come up on top. They always stand firm. They're always blessed because of godly principles. So today I want to talk to the ladies first. And I want to share a verse with us girls that unfortunately has a negative connotation because we view this as something demeaning and archaic and ancient and something that puts us down instead of something that can be a blessing to our marriage and a biblical foundation which we stand on. Ephesians 5.33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The men are quiet. Good, good. Good. I was watching y'all. I was watching y'all. I love the amplified version of this verse, though, because it gives us every synonym and every definition of respect. So we're able to really see how we can live it out and what it means to respect. In the amplified version, it says, however, let each man of you without exception love his wife, being in the sense his very own self, and let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates him, esteems him, that she defers him, that she praises him, and that she loves and admires him exceedingly. I know some of the ladies right now are blocking me out. This sounds like nails on a chalkboard to you, but can I tell you this word is going to bless you. I also want to talk to my singles for a second. If you are not married, you do not have to follow this. This is reserved. This is husband privileges, okay? This is not boyfriend privileges. These are husband privileges. Amen? But can I ask you a question, ladies? Do you know your husband's greatest need? No, it's not food. It's not even intimacy and closeness. It's actually your respect. You see, God designed men to need respect from their wives. I've seen this in our own lives. Every single time we have a disagreement or, or an argument or, or Christians upset or insecure in our relationship, it's because we pinpoint it back to I was not respecting him or he was not respecting me. And don't think it's coincidence that our culture is purposefully trying to celebrate a spirit of disrespecting men. We're trying to effeminate men and demasculate men. We're trying to put men down. And we wonder why our society is failing and marriages are crumbling. It's because we forgot to engage in this spiritual, in this biblical truth. Amen? And I know it's not easy. We're human. We're selfish. And our society tries to tell us that we honor someone only after they've proven themselves, only after they've shown themselves worthy, only after they put in the time and the work. But can I tell you, it's not my husband's actions that determine he is worthy of my respect. It's my husband's position and the role that has been given to him by almighty God that determines that he is worthy of my respect. You see, God created Christian to be my husband and God called me to honor him not because of what he did for me, but because of who he is. The man of God that Jesus has chosen for me. 
The ladies are stopped clapping now. Men, you can keep clapping. It's fine. You see, it saddens and it breaks my heart that young couples have purposefully and intentionally chosen to leave out respect and submit to each other in their vows. Because our generation and culture has taught us, no, you don't give that up right away. You make them earn it. You make them work for it. They have to prove themselves. He may hurt you. You need to protect yourself. Can I tell you, you're hurting yourself because you're living outside of God's blessing and covenant in marriage. You're supposed to submit to each other. You're supposed to respect and to love one another. And I know this is hard, guys, but you actually have a helper You have someone that can help you become the best husband or wife that you are called to be. And his name is the Holy Spirit. John 14 says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I think so many times we limit the Holy Spirit. We think the Holy Spirit can only teach us how to read our Bible or to pray. Can I tell you, this verse says that he can teach you all things. So if you need help in your marriage and these verses are really hard to submit and to understand and to walk out, then you can call upon the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, teach me how to love my husband. Teach me how to love my wife. Teach me how to respect. Amen. But I also want to encourage the ladies and remind you that you have the power to change the atmosphere in your home and in your family. If you don't believe me, have you ever seen a woman walk into the room and change it completely? You see, I think we as women have the power to bring sunshine or thunder. What does pastor say? If mama ain't happy, nobody happy. And if you don't believe me, I challenge you to come on a Wednesday night and see our women worship before discipleship. When they're worshiping, joy enters the room. Peace enters the room. Breakthrough enters enters the room. Pastor Chris, I see him. Sometimes he sneaks in here. Because it hypes them up to see women of God just praising with all of their heart. It changes the spiritual atmosphere. And I know some of you may not be in an equally yoked marriage right now. Your husband may not be as passionate about the things of the Lord as you are, or he may have not yet committed his life to the Lord. Can I tell you that you have the power to change that through Christ? If you don't believe me, 1 Peter 3 says this. In the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands, then even if some of your husbands refuse to obey the good news, they're not Christians, they're not acting Christ-like, your godly lives, ladies, will speak to them without words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Amen. Come on, somebody receive that this morning. Does it say you have to be a savior? Does it say you have to argue him into heaven, that you have to nag him, that you have to be upset at him, that you have to try to control the situation? No, all it says is that they will be won over just by the way that you live. You have been empowered by Christ to change the spiritual atmosphere. And I've seen it happen in our own church where good women of God begin to pray for their family, where good women of God aren't forcing anything on their husbands, but they're just living the most pure and attractive life in Christ. And you see that the atmosphere shifts and that instead of the wife leading the way, the husband sees how amazing and how incredible the Holy Spirit is working in his wife and he says, I've got this now, baby. I'm leading the way for my family. And it's because of this godly principle, amen? But men, don't think I've forgotten you. First Peter says, the same goes for the husbands. Be good husbands to your wife. 
honor them, delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages. In the new life of God's grace, you're equals though. Treat your wives then as equals so that nothing hinders your prayers. I know that some of the women are fixated right now on lack some advantages. Can I tell you we will never be as physically strong as our husbands and that's okay. That's what they're talking about right there. We're not gonna be as physically strong as them. That's why I tell Christian, I am not gonna move furniture without you. I don't care how many protein shakes I have, you're mowing the lawn because you've been blessed. You've been blessed with the muscles. I got the beauty and grace. But guys, what does it say? You will be equals. You see, he honors me, I honor him. He is the head of the household, but through Christ, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. And husbands, when you honor your wives, God honors your prayers. Just keep that. But guys, I think arguably the husband's role is actually harder because he represents Christ in the church. Ephesians 5 says, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. Husbands, your love makes the family and the home whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love her wife. Amen. Ladies, that's like poetry to me. Like preach it, preach it. But this is true. Women need extravagant displays of love. What do I mean by that? The word extravagant means to exceed what is reasonable to lack restraint. Men, I know that a lot of you are wired, how do I say this, logically? So you're like, that doesn't make sense. Why would I love without restraint? I only have so much love in a day. I gotta portion it out. I can't just give it all. But what does God say? Go all out in your love. Go all out. It doesn't need to make sense to your friends. It doesn't need to make sense to your brother-in-law. You just have to follow God's commandment. So tell her that you love her every day and show her every day. Can I encourage you? Your wife needs to be reminded of your love through action and through words. Think about the church. How often is God reminding us of his love for us? How often does he show us love through blessing us and through action? Amen? Also, use your words, husbands, to build her up. I love the part of the verse where it says, his words evoke her beauty. Do you know that the word evoke means to call forth, to call out? Just like women can change the atmosphere of a room, I believe that husbands are able to bring out the best or the worst in the words that they choose. You have power in your words. You can bring out insecurity or confidence. You can evoke beauty or dread. You can speak out joy or fear. If you don't believe me, I want all of my dads to think about this. Does anyone have a daughter? Is anyone a daughter and can testify to this? Think about your little girl. When she gets dressed up, when she puts on her favorite outfit, who does she go to? She goes to her dad. And what does she want to hear? You look beautiful. Wow, you're gorgeous. I love the way you look. I remember that's what I wanted to hear. Or think about a recital. When, she, when she's on the stage dancing or when she's playing an instrument or she's in the big game, where do her eyes turn to? Who does she want to see that's there? Her dad. What does she want to hear at the end of the game or the recital? You did awesome. I'm so proud of you, right? What about when she's scared at night? What about when the boogeyman's out to get her? Who does she go to? Who does she cry out to? Dad, help me. 
And who comes running? Dad, I've got you. I'm protecting you. Nothing's going to hurt you. So don't be surprised when your wife needs to hear, you look beautiful. I'm proud of you. And I've got you. Amen? That was a role that was given to her by her heavenly father for her earthly father. But when you said, I do at the altar, now God has entrusted that beautiful role to you. Amen? Amen. This is a sacrificial type of love, guys. But I want you to know that when you honor your spouse, you're in turn honoring God and you're keeping his commandments. Lastly, focus on your spouse's strengths, not their faults. Pray for their faults. Encourage them. Outdo each other with honor. Some of us may need to start practicing the biblical principle of calling the things that aren't as though they are. Husband, I declare that you are the most handsome man in the world. But I actually believe it, guys, because the more you say it, you believe it. Husband, you are bold. You are mighty. You're going to be a leader of leaders. When he prays for me, you are the best pastor. You're going to do amazing tonight. And guess what? Who we were two years ago is nothing like we are now because words have power. Speak life. We're intentional about the words that we speak over each other. And if the enemy or somebody else is trying to speak against your marriage, 2 Corinthians 10, we demolish arguments that set itself up against God's word and take captive every thought. Amen? Amen. So remember, not to fall for the lie of the trap of the enemy, that your spouse has to earn your respect. Your spouse is worthy of your respect because of the position they've been given by God Almighty. Number three, honor your leaders. John Bevere has already done a phenomenal job of this. I encourage you, we have a week off, join our study, because he truly teaches how to honor leadership, even when it's hard. But how are you treating your boss, teacher, coach, disciple maker, superior, or pastor? You see, our culture is training us to disrespect authority and to talk bad about leadership and to only love and honor them if we agree with them or we like what they're saying. But remember, guys, the trap of familiarity. We're going to be tempted to dishonor those we see closest. But how we honor our leaders reflects how we honor God. Romans 13 says, all authority from God. All authority is from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. You see, honor reveals your heart. It reveals humility or it reveals pride. Because you have to choose every single day. I'm going to honor even when it hurts or when I don't feel like it. You see, honor reveals more about you than it does the leader. Because God called you to honor them. When you refuse to honor leadership, you're actually telling God, I dishonor and I disrespect what you instituted, God. What you instituted. And I want to I remind you guys of something we learned in our study. It says that all leadership comes from God, that all authority comes from God, not that all authority is godly. You have to submit as long as they're telling you um, nothing that goes against God's word. If it goes against God's word, you don't have to submit. But guys, you're still called to honor you're still called to honor. And you don't even have to judge them. If they're doing something wrong, if they're out of step, if they're out of line, they're going to have to take it up with God, not you. Amen. Lastly, on this point, I want us to encourage to honor our pastors. We have excellent leadership. And I believe that this is going to free somebody here today to receive a blessing. When you receive a leader as a leader, you receive a leader's reward. Matthew 10 says, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of the righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. God revealed this to me. Out of everyone, I can fall in the trap of familiarity the best because I am my father's daughter. 
And God taught me, he's not just my dad, he is my pastor. He has been given this position and this title by God for a purpose. And if I just call out to him, dad, Chris, I'm not receiving the reward of a pastor. When I'm in his house, when I'm in God's house, he is no longer father, he is pastor. How can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I honor and bless you today? We're wondering why we're not receiving from God's word on Sunday. Maybe it's because we need to start honoring with our heart. Amen. It's not Chris. It's Pastor Chris. Amen. Every position has been entrusted by God. Honor God through honoring leadership. Number four. We have less than 10 minutes left, but this is the most important point, guys. So I want us to really listen in. Honor God. Honor God. Not only our parents and our spouse and and our leadership, but God. And I was really praying because I believe every single time I'm given the privilege to be able to speak to you guys, it's because God wants to deal with a certain heart issue that is keeping us from receiving a blessing. And it's not easy, but the fact of the matter is, I want God to bless your life and your home and your marriage and your family. I want God to bless this house where we see his presence manifested here, where we see him pour down blessings, where we see him answer prayers and bring miracles and revival. And I believe that God is looking for a church to bring a revival. Think about it, guys. Can you name a mega church in the central Texas area? Like within the Austin community, can you think of a big church with influence? No. And it's sad because there's enough people here and it's definitely a dark area that needs Jesus, right? So I began to speak and cry out to God and say, what can we do to bring forth your presence? And he said, honor me. Honor me. I'm looking for a church whose heart is desiring to honor me. And I said, Lord, we love you. Of course we honor you. He says, yes, you love me, but do you respect me? Do you esteem me? Do you value me? Do you treasure me? Or do you treat me as ordinary? Are you so comfortable with me that you don't see me for who I truly am? You see me as Abba Father, but you don't see me as the Alpha and Omega, the great I am. And I want to share with you guys two stories that illustrate this. Mark 6 says that Jesus went down to his hometown, guys. This is when he already started his ministry. And as he began to teach, the people were amazed by what he said. But then all of a sudden, they asked, who is this? Isn't that the carpenter? Isn't that Mary's son? Aren't his sisters right here with us? And they took offense with him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there. Do you think that these people loved him? Of course they did. That's Mary's son. They grew up seeing him. They might have changed his diapers. They might have gone to his house for Christmas or Thanksgiving. I'm putting it in layman's terms, but guys, think about it. Of course they loved him, right? But they didn't honor him. You see, they saw him as ordinary. They didn't see him as anything special. They acted comfortable around him. And I love what this verse says. It's so interesting, but it reveals a truth. It does not say he chose not to do miracles. It does not say he made the decision because he was upset with them. It says that he could not do miracles. So what would restrain Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, 
the people's unbelief. But what caused the people's unbelief? They've heard about his miracles. They heard about his ministry. They heard about the deliverance. What would cause the unbelief? Dishonor. They had the great I am in front of him. They could have brought forth blessings and miracles and power and wonder, but they neglected to engage the principle of honor. And because of that, the spirit was stifled. I want to tell you about one more story in Matthew 8 about someone who understood this principle, though. It's about a Roman officer, guys, who came before God and said, Lord, my young servant lies in the bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus told him, I will come heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. So when I say go, they go. When I say come, they come and they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Think about this, guys. Did you see John the Baptist? Did Jesus see John the Baptist? Did he see the disciples? Did he see Mary Magdalene? Think about this. He saw great faith. Jesus doesn't lie. He said, this is the greatest faith in all of Israel. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened and the young servant was healed. But what was the difference? Wouldn't Jesus much rather bring healing, miracle-working power to his own hometown? These were people that he loved and grew up with. It's not that he didn't want to, it's that he couldn't because they chose to dishonor him. They chose to treat him as ordinary. Then this pagan man, this Roman soldier comes before him and says, Lord, I understand the authority which God has given you and I submit to it. And that type of honor stirred up faith and belief. And because the Roman soldier understood that honor and faith are connected, that authority and faith are connected, Jesus was able to work in a mighty way. Amen. We're wondering why we're not seeing revival in Central Texas. We may be wondering why our, why our marriage is struggling or why our children are struggling. We may be wondering, God, why can't we get this miracle that we've been waiting on or this breakthrough or this victory? Could it be because we have neglected to engage in the spiritual and the biblical truth of honor? As the song starts playing, we have about three minutes, guys. But I believe that the Holy Spirit has already been speaking to your heart. I believe that the Holy Spirit has already been stirring up in your heart a desire to honor, to not be like the rest of culture in this generation that chooses to treat Jesus so casually, that chooses to celebrate dishonor instead of walking in the truth of Almighty God. So with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I believe that something is shifting in this room right now. God cries out, he says that his eyes look to and fro, whose hearts are set on him. Guess what? God's heart values honor. God commands 
that we do not love superficially, but that we love with honor, with no one looking around. If the Lord has been speaking to you today, guys, maybe you've neglected to honor your parents currently or in the past. Maybe you've become too familiar with them so that when they give you instruction or godly counsel, you turn the other cheek and you, and, and you, just, you just don't listen, you don't, you don't care. If that's you, I believe God wants to deliver you and allow you to walk into a blessing of a long life and a successful life if you just honor. Maybe you've been withholding honor and love and respect from your spouse because you think that their actions need to prove it first. You think that they're not worthy of it. You think that they've hurt you in the past and so now you have to put your guard up and you can't honor them and respect them anymore. If that's you, I believe that God wants to give you deliverance. It wants to show you it's not because of what your spouse did that they deserve honor. It's because of the position that they have and who God is. Maybe you haven't been receiving a leader's reward or a pastor's reward. Maybe you've been blocking yourself from receiving a blessing from your boss, your disciple maker, your senior leadership, and you want to say, Lord, I want to start honoring that person in the position that you've given them. And then last but not least, maybe, just maybe, you've been coming into God's house with a casual heart. You've been worshiping him comfortably, not extravagantly. You've been wanting a miracle, but you've been struggling with disbelief in your heart because you haven't had the faith to recognize God for who he truly is, the great I am, the Alpha and Omega, God Almighty, who was and is to come. If that's you this morning, you want to say, Lord, reignite in my heart or ignite in my heart for a first time a desire to honor. If that's you, just, just raise your hand with no one looking around, with no hesitation. And I'm raising my hand too because honor is a choice. Every day you have to choose to honor. I'm gonna give you two more seconds. The Lord has been challenging you. Honor your spouse, honor your parents, honor your leadership, honor this house, honor God. Just with no one looking around, just raise your hand. I wanna pray a blessing over you. Lord, I pray a blessing over every hand that is raised, God, over every heart that is stirred, Lord. I know what your word says, Lord. It says that you value honor, Lord, that you desire it from us, God. Your word says that when we honor our parents, we can live a long and a successful life. And the world is trying to keep us from that, Lord. But today we say we choose to honor and love them. Lord, I know that your word says that marriage is designed as two people loving each other, submitting to each other, respecting each other, God. So instead of believing the lie of this world that our spouse has to work for our love, we choose to give it to them, even if they don't deserve it, God, because that's the way that you love us, God. That's the way that you honor us, Jesus. That's the way that you pursue us, God. Lord, we also pray over our heart when it comes to leadership, God. We pray, Jesus, that we would no longer neglect honor so that we are able to receive a leader's reward, a pastor's reward, a teacher's reward, and that we're able to get the most from our life. And then lastly, God, Lord, I just pray that we would never treat you as ordinary. That we would never get so comfortable with our Abba Father that we forget how mighty and how great and how powerful you are. Lord, there is no one like you. So help us to recognize that, that you are powerful, that you are mighty, that you are wonderful. And when we recognize you that way, God, you are able to move. So move in our hearts. 
move in our lives. Bless our marriages. Bless our homes. Bless our lives. Bless this house. Bless this community. And may we be a church that honors you in spirit and in truth. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Come on, give glory to God. Amen. It is finished. It is finished. I believe God is restoring marriages today. I believe God is bringing prodigal sons home today, guys. It is finished. I love you so much, church. Thank you so much for blessing me with the honor to be able to speak to you guys. Have a blessed Sunday, and we'll see you all next week, family. Thank you.